hey everyone welcome to the man up already podcast as always super excited to be here with you and man you know it's funny i say this every week but i'm super pumped for this episode when the guests that we have so last episode phenomenal this episode same thing great guest we're gonna have a great time today um this is a unique one for sure uh, but before we introduce our guest and bring them up, uh, as a reminder, the Man Up Already book is out there on Amazon. You can search that by the title. You can search it by my name, John Puritz. Uh, but it is out there on Amazon, on social. You can find me on Facebook and LinkedIn as John C. Puritz, on Instagram and Twitter as J. Puritz. And uh, you can reach me on Telegram at John Puritz. Don't forget our great, great sponsor, Master Beef Jerky. Go to masterbeefjerky.com. Man, they've got incredible, incredible uh, beef jerky. I just finished up our last bag. Got to go out and order some more. Um, but they have an incredible product. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny because I've had many, many different types of beef jerky. And Master Beef Jerky, you know, they talk about bold flavor and a tender bite. And it is really true. That stuff is so tender and so good. I go through it quickly. Uh, but if you go to masterbeefjerky.com, put in the coupon code M-U-A-P, Man Up Already Podcast, coupon code M-U-A-P, get 20% off your order. And uh, I'm telling you, if you're in the, uh, if you're shopping for beef jerky or you're just a beef jerky fan, this is the place to go. Their product is unbelievable. Look, the entire reason we have this podcast is that we believe, you know, I wrote about it in, in the book, Man Up Already, but there is a moment in the Bible where Gideon, um, you know, he's just this average guy, at least he thinks that, right? And he's actually hiding from the, the, the people in charge. Um, and an angel shows up and says to Gideon, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but the angel says to Gideon, you know, greetings, mighty warrior. And that's the first time that Gideon heard himself referred to that. And I think that's a perfect analogy or an example of what's happening with men today. How many men out there right now have no idea who they are? You are a mighty warrior. You were created for greatness. And it's really time for men to step into their place. Right, that we used to be that it's society kind of waters it down. I think there's an actual war against who men are, the divine creation and divine design of men and women. We talked about this last week, um, but the growth conference is absolutely for men. We want men walking out of there freaking empowered. We want them fired up. We want them to go home, lead in their family. You know, man up already. The book is how to live and lead at home and in the marketplace. So if you're looking for a growth event, and you're a man for 2023, get to the Man Up Already Growth Conference. More details will be coming for that as well. So let's introduce our incredible guest today. He is an attorney for over 25 years. He's handled um, high-profile cases here in, in the state of Florida and out, including uh, first-degree murder, attempted murder, aggravated assault with a firearm, and white-collar collar federal fraud. He is successful in obtaining a not guilty verdict in federal court where, guys, federal prosecutors have a 98% conviction rate. So he's super, super qualified to do what it is that he does. He's a 
guest on many, many national television programs as a criminal defense expert. He's also a um, a nationally certified firearms instructor and provides defensive tactical training and concealed weapons certification. And our guest today um, is only one of six people in the country to be certified as an alumnus of the Florida Firearms Training Curriculum. He's a nationally certified instructor for pistols, rifles, shotguns, for personal protection inside the home and personal protection outside the home, and refuse to be a victim. He is also a certified range safety officer. And more importantly, for me personally, he's just a good, good dude and a great friend. I'm super pumped to have my good friend here on the Man Up Already podcast. Give it up for Corey Strola. My brother. How are you, man? I'm good, man. Super pumped to have you on the show. Oh, glad to be here, man. Yeah, so I want to dive right in, right? So um, I, I read your bio. Everybody, you know, kind of has a taste of who you are. But let's talk about um, your um, legal career. You know, we met, you and I met, gosh, it's 2015 when you and I first met. Yeah. And, and I remember you're, you always would say, hey, if the police are talking to you, you need to be talking to me, right? I've always stuck still in saying, my mind. yeah, still saying. <laughs> so, you know, uh, being a, a podcast, you know, we're 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 equipping and empowering men, and and just mm-hmm. you and I both know, right? Manhood is under attack like never before, right? You know, we talk about on Agreed. here, you, yeah. you take out men, you take out you take out the warriors, you can control a society, so. Let's start. You can control a world, right? Forget the society is the first step of it, man. You can control the world. Look at the Roman Empire, right? They controlled the world because they controlled who had rights and who didn't. And most of the men were taken. It was Mm. only kids and women that were left. Wow. So let's dive in there, Corey, because, you know, you, I mean, talk about your career a little bit. You know, like you've been an attorney for over 25 years now right so a long yeah, long yeah. time on the defense side um, well i started i started as a prosecutor oh so okay. i started i started as a prosecutor um let's see i started i actually started out a year before i ever graduated law school trying cases for both palm beach county state attorney's office uh pinellas county and st pete where stetson law is where i went um and then i was a prosecutor for almost four years and that's when I went to the defense side of it. So I've, I've been on both sides of that justice system. And what made you make that shift over? Oh, mostly the politics that go on behind closed doors and, and the thing. I've always said this. We, America, we have the best justice system in the world, and it is terrible. We have a terrible justice system, <laughs> wow. and it is still the best, right? It is still the best in the world by far. And it is a terrible, broken system. It was when I was a prosecutor. It's even worse now. It's become so political. um, And you can see that. You can see that being in South Florida. You can see Central Florida, North Florida. Then you start going to Georgia, Alabama, all the way out to California. Um, I've watched judges become these individuals of fair and impartial administration of the constitutional law to... Oh, I don't personally like that. That doesn't fit any agenda I would want to see. So I'm going to rule in line with my political beliefs. Man, I would say starting in the 90s, maybe there'd be one or two political activist judges. At, at the, it was almost like unheard of, John. 
And then now it just seems like it's so commonplace, like it's almost expected of, oh, who's the judge? Oh, well, all right. Well, it was a second district court of appeals out on the West Coast. Of course, they're going to rule that way. So, you know, things like that. So it's it's scary. It really is scary. Well, I mean, and and now, you know, look, let me let me just make this statement. Normally on this podcast, we're not talking typically about political events or world events. I mean, we don't dive in there. But on this one, there, there's no denying it. Um, then I want to go there. I mean, we're looking at a justice system and, and you know, you and I are of the same age, the world that we grew up in, you just said it, right? What used to be is no longer. And you yeah, don't know yeah. where you fall, right? Like, like you can't even, you can't even vote with a good conscience of that the system is, is going to work today. You right. Or nor, nor can you have an opinion without being labeled one thing or another. Right. But, you know, when you and I grew up, there was moderates and moderates were right down the middle. Now, one party's like, well, if you're not with us, you're against us. You're the far other side. I mean, it, it's gotten to where, you know, and again, without going into politics, personally, I've been no there, party dude. affiliation. I mean, yeah, I've been no party affiliation since my kid was born and I had to re-register when we moved with my wife. Like, I didn't want to be on the right. I didn't want to be on the left because I believe there were parts of both that I agree with. Now it's a little bit different, but you can't say that now. Like if I sit there and say, I'm a strong believer in the Second Amendment and men defending themselves and their family from harm, I'm now labeled this far right, gun loving, ammo crazy Nazi. And I'm like, dude, I'm Jewish. The Nazis killed my ancestors. Right. I'm the farthest thing from a Nazi on the planet. But hey, if you're a man and you like guns, you're a Nazi. And that's, John, it's insane. It's absolutely, the fact that you and I even have to utter those words is insane. Yeah, it's it's very true. Well, uh, I would like to say that this episode is not sponsored by the Jewish Federation, <laughs> right? but you got two Jews on here. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And the funny thing is, like the Anti-Defamation League probably would re- label me as that right-wing Nazi because I, I like guns. And I'm like, uh, aren't you supposed to be like against labeling people? But that's that's a whole other podcast. You know, let's... Um... I because I, I, I wanted the focus of our time together on the podcast. And I, I believe, honestly, that you and I could have a podcast that would last easily two to three hours on the things that we could talk about here. But um, I want to talk about because I think our family is a great example of this. You know, we came from the Northeast. We moved to Florida. And obviously, Florida living is very different than Northeast living. Um, especially when you move from the New York, Connecticut area to ports, you know, places like Port St. Lucie, or now I live in, in Palm Beach, uh, Palm Bay. They're very different than like what, when I came down, I would come down to Palm Beach County um, or um, Brevard County because that's where my grandparents were. But that's where I started to see, you know, people owning guns and, and, and kind of more outdoor living. Like it just was foreign to me. And I remember going, I, I just can't see owning a gun, carrying a gun. I had never shot a gun. Um, I don't think I shot my first weapon. Um, gosh, I had to be mid forties, right before. I think I, wow. I, I honestly think wow. I was forty three or forty four before I ever shot my first gun. Well, I have one better than you. I, I, as you know, obviously we talked about this. You've known me for years. I, I'm a national firearms instructor. I trained a 73-year-old woman who had never shot a firearm in her life. And she was this Northeast major liberal, was afraid of guns, didn't like guns. And the funny thing is she was married to this great Marine 
decorated Marine. Unfortunately, he had passed away. And her kids were like, uh, you live alone now in two houses in two different states. You should think about a firearm. And honestly, it, it she was she, she was shaking at first. She was petrified because of, of her innate fear and what she's always been told. And the fact that, you know, up in the Northeast, these, you know, now they call them assault pistols, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Other than a fully semi-automatic rifle, that was the second dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life with a firearm. But she was basically raised to be afraid of them and that you don't need a gun. And if you need a gun, well, you're, you know, you have all these psychological issues and you're, you have paranoia. And now she's a 73-year-old on her own. And she had never, she had never held a gun. She had never fired a gun. And it took me two days of training her, but we've got her there. But it was, it's amazing. So your story is not anything that's rare or unheard of. There are people out there that are petrified of firearms because of where they're geographically located and what right. that culture was. And, and it's interesting to watch things change. Like, and you and I had spoken about it many years before we ever, be, you know, became a, a gun owning family. You know, now here we have our concealed, both my wife and I, all, like our, my wife, daughter and I have our concealed carry and our son will um wow. but we've all been in the range and and our weapon arsenal kind of grows it's fun um but it does become it does become an addiction yeah it, it really does, does. it's, it's like, kind of it, like tattoos. it's like a tattoo <laughs> <laughs> I love, yeah you, just, you know and literally I was the guy that said to my wife I swear I was 30 when I got my first tattoo and I'm like I'm just gonna get one Dang. and my tattoo artist was like you'll be back in a year John, six months. Six months I was on the phone. I'm like, USOB. He was cracking up. So yeah. So now I, I can't even tell you how many I have, including a full back, I mean a full colored back piece. Uh and it started with, I'm just gonna have one. So yeah, I tell my wife, just one more firearm, I promise. You know, yeah. She but, believes me as much as I believe her. Right, right. So we we officially, you know, became gun owners and and permit carriers after 2020 watching the riot mm. is when the riots yeah. happened that we were like, all right, yeah. you know, things are, things are really off. So I, I kind of want to focus some time there on second amendment yeah. rights, why you think it's important, why you do what you do. And I've watched you morph from your legal business into, you know, teaching others, making sure people are prepared. Um, I, I, I had said it in the bio or in the intro that, you know, if the, if the shit hits the fan, Corey, I'm calling you like you have become for me. I mean, how often do right? Hey, bud, what do you think of this? Right? Like, yeah, you are, yeah, you're, you're someone I want in my foxhole. I love our connection, but you, you have shown the world for those that, that pay attention you know what you're talking about. You're an expert. You've been in the trenches. You, you're, you are a bona fide expert. It's why I'm so privileged and honored to have you on the show. So let's talk about Second, Second Amendment rights, why it's important, um, and, and where you see, you know, like just what you want to offer into that conversation. Let's go there. Sure. sure. And, and I'll even relate it to exactly what you said is how every man should almost feel the same way to protect himself and his family. To me, to me, it's a bare minimum. It really is a bare minimum. I don't care what you feel about guns. Our Second Amendment in this country, literally, 
undeniably the greatest country to ever exist in the history of the world. We have the most freedoms and the most privileges and, and the best of everything. I don't, I don't, you know, forget politics and, and the liberal left and what, you know, their oppression in our country, people are so oppressed. They get to talk about it and cry about it right. in other worlds. Right. And like Venezuela, they're, they're oppressed. They have no weapons, no food. They're, money's worth toilet paper like that's oppression not somebody hurt my feelings because they misgendered me and they didn't use my pronoun that's a joke to say that that's real world oppression americans have become so entitled and spoiled go to any other country in the world and and you'll see real oppression of what governments do like in canada canada you cannot buy possess sell or transfer a firearm because of their prime minister, because their king said, this is what we're going to do. Right. And our Second Amendment, and this is what I want to stress, John, so if people are listening, especially people that believe in firearms, believe in protecting their families, our Second Amendment is and never was about hunting and self-defense. It, zero. Literally, the Second Amendment was zero about that. It encompasses it now in the modern world. But our Second Amendment was literally created by our founding fathers who had just gone against a tyrannical king and government truly oppressing the American colonies with English law and said that will never happen again, that the people – and remember, back then, we didn't have militaries like a formal army, navy, marines. The militia that it mm -hmm. talks about, a well-regulated militia was of the people by the people meaning 18 year old men to 35 year old men because life expectancy issues that was the militia so let's put the second amendment in context it said that every regulated person in the militia meaning human man 18 to you know 35 shall have the right by god not by the government. Our Second Amendment is not a government right. It is an inalienable right by God that you shall have a firearm to defend yourself against governmental tyranny on every level, and that shall not be infringed. And that's what people don't get. We hear our commander-in-chief, I can't even say Brandon's name, but he gets up there and he talks about deer and Kevin our best that is an asinine mockery of our second amendment it was never about hunting and then people talk about well how many bullets do you really need to defend yourself uh as, as many, many as, as it takes my gun until it stops <laughs> right, right. And, and going back to your case with the with the riots in 2020 you have a thousand people burning buildings burning houses you know damaging even people going after people you want me to have a little five shooter gun and you think that's going to stop that, that may even stop the first person. And then I got to worry about 999 behind of them, destroying my home, my family, my children, me, everything I've worked for in life, everything the government has taxed that I own in life. So again, from this point forward, anyone who watches this podcast, please, I pray and beg of you, don't let anyone ever talk about hunting or self-defense out of context with the second amendment it was specifically about government tyranny and letting the militia we the people have the same arms that the military has to defend ourselves from tyranny period that's the second amendment 
Now, of course, it does apply to self-defense now through case law and it, you know, obviously hunting, you have to have certain rifles to hunt. I can't take a little 38 revolver and go hunt a moose. Good luck with that. Right. Um, matter of fact, I'd pay someone to try to watch it. That moose would trample them. Um, and I believe it's actually illegal because it's cruelty to animals. So don't do it. Um, but that second amendment is our core value for a man to protect his family and his life and his property from government tyranny. And the words cannot be any more clear. Those God-given rights shall not be infringed by the government. That's our second amendment. And honestly, that's why I'm such a believer. And I've been in the justice system for over 25 years. I, I you know, not as a prosecutor alone, but as a defense attorney, I kind of see the worst of what humans can do to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, not everyone in the criminal justice system is guilty. Not everyone in the criminal justice system is a bad person, but we all have human behaviors. And as we know, humans make mistakes. Humans have emotions. Humans have anger, jealousy, rage, mental illness plays into it. And I've lived a career on the worst side of that part of our society. So am I paranoid or have paranoia? No. Do I have a reasonable expectation of what the public really is like? A thousand percent. I've got a better picture of it than most people. And honestly, John, if most people knew the truth about how our justice system worked and what really was out there, there would not be a single household without a firearm in it. And I believe that till the day I die. Wow, that's a bold statement. Wow. I want people to to who are are listening to this to to really get Corey that um, you know it's very easy to turn on the media and and see biasness and and to see an agenda, right? Um, but you're an expert, right? You have I love what you said. The better part of your life has been in the trench, looking uh, on full display human behavior. And for you to be this adamant about what it means to protect your family, um, like you're not just someone who's who has an opinion. You have years and years and years of experience in the trench to be able to make the statements um, that you make. So I think it's oh. incredibly important for people to get that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and like I said, you know, go pull up videos even online. And watch somebody who is on narcotics get shot by police four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times and not go down. I, I mean, there's even in part of the training that I've done in my own career outside of the legal system, because obviously I have my legal career and then I have my firearms career that's kind of morphed because of what turned out to be a love and a passionate hobby has now become a, a, a second profession of mine outside of my law practice. We've watched, I've been in knife trainings, I've been in hand to hand trainings, and we've even watched officers get killed because they couldn't get to their gun, or even if they got to their gun with two, three, four shots, that that suspect was so out of it with whatever type of drug he was taking. You've got a guy on top of a cop strangling him or putting a knife in him, you know, and now this cop is trying to fight this guy off with a knife going in his neck. And those bullets did nothing. And now he can't get to his gun or his gun jammed or the gun got knocked out of his hand. It's right. So it, I don't want people just to have, think a gun is the, Hey, this is the NLB all like, like you see in the movies, right? And John wick, right? No matter where he aims, it hits and it only takes one bullet and everybody goes down. 
good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> 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 that is literally only in the movies. It, it, we don't have magic bullets. We don't have bullets that explode. Um, yes, you can stop a human being with one shot, but it's got to be so perfect and so precise. And when your adrenaline is up and that sympathetic nervous system kicks in and you start getting threat focused or you get ocular deficiencies or you get hearing occlusion where you don't hear like what you, and you don't see, you get that tunnel vision. It's a different world. I mean, I'll guarantee you. And, and I'll ask you this. How many times have you been at the range where, and I know you used to like CrossFit, you're big in a health. I love it. You know, God bless you for doing that. Keep it up. But how many times at the range have you done 25 burpees, then try to put your gun together and hit a bullseye at 25 yards? Yeah, no, right? never. Right. Of course. Right. Never. But welcome to real life, even from five feet. All of a sudden, if I was five feet from you and I busted into your room with a knife and I'm coming at you, your eyes would dilate, your brain would freeze, you go into fight or flight your heart rate goes from 65 beats a minute to 200 beats a minute. Like it's, it's amazing that people don't realize what the body goes through. So I don't want to just advocate the second amendment and owning a firearm. I am advocating getting professional training to put you in situations like force on force or where you, you activate that, that sympathetic nervous system and you, you get your heart rate up, you get your breathing up put your gun together, disassemble your gun, put it back together, and then try to shoot on target. It's it's a different world, my friend. It, it's not mm. just standing at a static range with a target that doesn't shoot back. Right. You put somebody on drugs coming at you and you got your wife and kids behind you, you, you will probably forget to breathe for about 60 seconds. And in the beginning of my training, I would literally get done with a round of maybe 30 seconds. And you would have thought I ran a marathon. I was huffing and and I realized, oh my God, I forgot to breathe. <laughs> it's like, I'm, and I'm like, I didn't run. I didn't do anything. But your heart rate goes up and you can't even take in enough oxygen. And I think that's what people have to really train. Not just get the gun, but you've got to be super proficient to protect yourself and your family with it. All right. So this is, this is a great a great place to go because I'm sitting here thinking just about our, our own personal experience, right? And I think we're a really good um example of the average person out there right we went from yeah. this belief that if i if i have a weapon i'm inviting i'm inviting you, you hear this all the time right if i have a yeah. weapon i'm inviting trouble right which i now know is complete bullshit um yeah. anything can happen anywhere at any time right i mean that's that, yeah. You, that, yeah. right right we don't plan 100%. anything can happen anywhere right. at, at any time um so it's it let take us through Corey where you think all right you know you, you have no experience don't own like what are the stages because i've realized sure. okay great we're yeah. an owner right where we we go to the range but i'm very clear that shooting at a piece of paper 5 yards away or 5 feet away is is not what is 5 yards it, 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 that's that's not helpful right i know that if the if the crap hit the fan um, I don't know what to do. And and anything, I think the thing that became very present is I just learned because we have a we have a store here in Palm Bay that's that's really great on education and and they're they're not just about gun sales. Um I just learned what the rules really were on printing. Right. And mm, yeah, for right, carrying concealed. If, yeah. If you show your weapon, you better use it, right? Because you know, I'm just learning kind of what those things are. But I'm saying that to say I don't know half as much as I need to know, number one. 
And then two, I know we need professional training. So there's stages of this. So maybe we, you could yeah. talk about, all right, look, you, you, you're just realizing that protecting your family, right, is really needs to be taken incredibly seriously. And I don't think it's just for the times today. I think period, right? Like it's Agreed. just protecting your family. I remember when I got married, I knew I could not take care of my wife and my family. I didn't, I'd never been in a fight. Like, and then, so I studied martial arts because I wanted to be able to protect myself, but there's another level to that. So kind of take us through what you think people should learn and, and the stages of it. And, and it's great that you brought up martial arts because gun training is similar to that, right? In martial arts, you don't come in like Bruce Lee and you don't start at a Bruce Lee level, right? He's a master of a, a master of a master. Uh, and he, even he said, I'm not a master. So yeah, you, you call me an expert, but in my mind, I can never be an expert enough. I can never know enough. I can never train enough. Like, so we'll take you to the very bare bones bottom. Like the first day you would walk in, research firearms, research pistols that you're considering, research ammunition. Everybody has their own opinion. And the one thing I'll tell you about YouTube, because um, I train people all the time. I train people that have never held a firearm before to people that have been shooting for years. Matter of fact, I just trained a guy that was a former honorably discharged military police for eight years. And his grip was completely not modernized and, and was lacking in a lot of things that made him super more accurate and proficient that I showed him. His stance, everything, it was amazing of, you know, in that former life, you would think, oh, this guy was a military police officer for eight years. This guy's John Wick, not even close. I mean, he even laughed and was like, Corey, I, I forgot half of what you're telling me. And it sounds familiar, but right when it's, you don't, you know, you don't know what you don't know. You know that saying, yep. you just don't know what you don't know. So be careful when you get other people's opinions about firearms. A lot of times they're trying to sell you something. A lot of times these reviewers online were given guns for free to talk about it. And then, so it's a very tricky world. I'll give you that. Buying a gun is like buying a car. Do your research first and then always consider the source of your research. But if you start seeing the same gun talked about over and over and over, like in the top two or three on every different platform, that's a good inclination of, hey, that might be a good gun. Um, so learn about which firearm you're interested in. I personally like nine millimeter ammunition because it's common, it's useful, it's cheap to train, there's great um, self-defense ammo, and it's better than 38 and 380, and it's probably just as good as 40. So it's kind of that in-between that's a good range to have a nine millimeter. Uh, but if you're afraid of firearms and you want to start off at the bare bottom, you buy a 22 long rifle, pistol or rifle. And to me, that's no different than a pellet gun. Like when I shot BB guns with my kid, it had as much kick as a 22 rifle or a 20, which I mean is not zero, almost right. nothing. You know, that's what I started my 73 year old student out with was the 22. And after four hours, she was shooting a nine millimeter Glock 19 and hitting steel at 25 yards away with a red dot optic. Um, and this is a woman that would have never known any of what I just said to you until that day. So educate yourself, please educate yourself on what's out there and what you may like. There's certain features you may like. A lot of beginners want an external safety on a gun. I don't carry anything with an external safety, but that's just me. Because, you know, and as you learned, what's the number one rule of gun safety, right? What's the number one rule of gun safety, people, is keep your finger off the trigger at all times. 
until you know your target, what's behind it, and you know it's a threat and you have to shoot it. So to me, I don't need that external safety. It's just something else I have to try to train to make sure I disengage to before. And in a self-defense situation, you may not have that time to even think about it when you panic, you know, because I've been in situations in training, but I've never really had somebody come at me with a real knife and try to kill me. So I assume I'm trained for it, but I won't know until I get in that situation. You know, heavens forbid I, I ever do. Right. But a great place is do your research and then get your hands on them. Find somebody who is an instructor that you can trust, not just somebody who has the bare minimum credentials. Like you go to these fairs, the South Florida fair and stuff, and you get your concealed weapons permit for $50 and you shoot one bullet into a barrel. What on earth is that? Like, yes, that's the bare minimum. Do I do that with my students? Absolutely not. I think it's insane. But again, everybody's different. So get your hands on a good instructor, get your hands on a bunch of different kinds of firearms, shoot them, see what's good for you, see what's not good for you. And then that's when you invest to purchase a firearm. I, I would not even invest into buying one until you've had your hands on two, three, or maybe even four different ones. And you know what's going to fit good. And what fits good in your hand, John, may not fit good in my hand. You and I may shoot identical, but have completely different styles, grips, stances, and firearms. And both hit perfect bullseyes. That's what people have to understand. Every firearm is not the same and every person is different plain and simple and yeah. that is the perfect starting point yeah and it's funny that you say that because we we had gone through most of that process and and i had asked you like i the first one i had ever shot was um was a sig nine millimeter and then um i shot a um a 44 revolver which was a hand it's a hand cannon a hand cannon right let's call it what it is yeah so it, in my mind because i it was the sig it was the sig and then when we went to actually purchase my wife held the sig and she didn't like it and i had asked you right and you know i love what you talk about what's the 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 most commonly used you know kind of ammo which nine millimeter and a gun that never fails which is the glock right and and yeah. so that was the first weapon that we purchased and then it's funny because we've gotten others, but the one that is really the most comfortable and the most accurate is that Glock. Yeah, it's amazing. And if you upgrade the Glock trigger and you upgrade the sights, which 99.99% of people have to, because everyone hates the Glock standard trigger. It just, that's the way they make it. Um, but I even have a Glock. One of the first guns I ever owned, even gosh, going back to when I was a prosecutor, um, and I had to go take the concealed weapons course just to carry a firearm into the building um, because we had a very liberal elected state attorney and he wasn't pro-gun at all, but he didn't forbid us. He just said, if you want to bring a gun to work, you have to go take this course, get certified, show me your license, and then I'll, I'll pen a letter saying that you were allowed to have this in the building. Because obviously as a prosecutor, you know, you want to protect yourself as well, walking to and from your car. Um, Knock on wood, I never had an issue like that, thank God, as well. But um, it, it's it's interesting. I have a Glock. I recommend Glock all the time. My everyday carry is a Glock 43X. Uh, and I, yeah, I put the shield mags into it. I put the metal mag release that goes with the metal. So now I can carry 15 rounds and a little 43X, and I absolutely love it. Um, but I know people that want the SIG 365 macro double comp pro, you know, Spectre gold trigger. Man, you do you. 
uh, one of the guys I trained with, he's awesome. Uh, John DeFresny. He's like, he's like, you do you boo. So that's what I tell people, you know, I, I can only guide you and I'm not a salesperson. I never make any money on any opinion I give to people ever, 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 nor do I want to. So it's completely unbiased, but I tell them if, if you don't shoot like I shoot or you don't like what I like, man, don't get what I got. You do you. And, and making the case that it is, it's such a big world to step into, which is why you want to do your research, why you want yeah. to take your time. Um, I want to I just thought about this because you and I had this conversation before I ever owned one. Um, and, and that was the belief of, because again, the media sensationalizes terrible things, right? And it's, I have little kids in the home. And you hear all the time, ex, you know, accidents happen. So therefore, I don't want to have a gun in the house. But you would always tell me what you would do with your son when he was little. And you've had, yeah. right, you've owned weapons yeah. since he's been alive. So before, well before he's alive. Yeah. yeah. So talk about, because I remember the conversation vividly. Talk about what you did raising children and being a, and having a gun in the house. Yeah, I wish my son was here because he could probably recite to you exactly what I told him when he was a kid as well. Uh, he's still only 17. And let me tell you, he, he he's a great shot. That kid can handle a firearm very, as safe or safer than some of the adults I've been in training classes with, hands down. I love the kid, not because he's my son, but man, he he's taken to the training and he understands it and he respects it. And that's a keyword too. Well, that, I was just he, about to say, yeah, it's the having yeah. the respect. Absolutely. Yeah. And I bred that respect in him early. And I always told him, and, you know, I don't recommend you tell this to your kids. This is what I told my kids. I always told my son, if you ever touch my gun or you ever let anyone touch my gun, I will break your hand. I will literally break your hand. You don't touch it. It's not a toy. Because I had, my son had Nerf toys. But I told him, it is not a toy. It is daddy's. It is to protect you and mommy. It's dangerous. You don't touch it. And you certainly don't ever touch it unless I am there with you and you see me clear it. And the, I, I think I taught this to him at like four years old, John. I literally showed him how I make the gun safe and I clear it. And just what I do with students now, I show him, say, see, empty. And I would show him no magazine, no bullet in the chamber. And I would make him pair it back to me. Yep, empty. So I taught him at a, as soon as he could probably even hold even a small, tiny pistol exactly that you never touch a firearm at that age unless I'm there and I show you it's unloaded and you compared it back to me that it's unloaded and you see it because that's the second rule that I teach people gun safety is you treat every gun as it's loaded because if I'm with you at a range and you unload it and I watch you unload it and I watch you clear your your slide to make sure there's no ammo in it you hand it to me and that slide is closed the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to press check Make sure you got that slide all the way back and extracted any any bullet over there. Like we'll call it the Alec Baldwin bullet, right? Well, Let's I'm going to sure talk about. I, I, just, I want to talk about that after after. Yeah, I do oh, want to yeah. talk about that. But but you always have to check the firearm just because somebody says, "Hey, man, here's my firearm. It's unloaded." You better make sure that there's no bullets in that gun. Take the magazine out. Check yourself. Even if you just watch them, like John, I trust you wholeheartedly, and I could watch you clear your firearm. But unless you clear it, hold it open and show it to me and say, look, here, empty, right? And I go, yep, empty. I'm going to check it myself just to make sure. Um, I'll give you a real quick story before we get to the next topic on that. But I represented a doctor here in South Florida who, who was proficient in pistols, had bought an AR-15, had never owned one, um, had shot it before, fairly safe. He didn't train with me. I met him you know, after this incident happened because he hired me. 
he was cleaning the firearm in his home and he took the magazine out and he pulled the charging handle back, but he didn't pull it all the way back and he never checked. So there was still a, mm. a two, two, three round in that barrel. And as you know, when you take apart that top of that AR-15, the trigger will engage. And it actually dropped before he could take the AR-15 apart. He shot around through his door, across his hall, into his neighbor's house. Oh my where gosh. Where it broke some stuff. Yeah. Thank God they weren't home. And thank God the, if the gun was facing the other direction, his elderly father was in a room in the other room. And he called me panicking, thinking, oh my God, you know, the police are on their way. I just discharged a firearm negligently. You know, thank goodness nobody was hurt on the other side. But I was able to step in and talk to management, talk to the neighbor, made sure no charges were filed, made sure that he was protected. He didn't lose his job. He didn't lose his, you know, his weapons permit. Um, but it's, again, you don't know what you don't know. And, and accidents do happen. And all he had to do was pull back a little bit harder and check. And he didn't. He just assumed it was empty and clear. And, and he could have ended up killing someone. And then that conversation would have been very different about the rest of his life. And that's the kind of stuff where I think it detracts people from from owning a weapon, right? Because of the laws of accidents and all that other stuff. So, what what is your answer to you know it was an accident, right? Like obviously it could have been, yeah, um, yeah. But you've got to you've got to train you you've got to train and you've got to respect the firearm rules of safety. You you know he all he had to do was look. All he had to do was pull all the way back. And even with an AR-15, you can actually lock. Uh, the BCM back, you can lock it all the way back open and then be able to look in there and see, oh, there's brass. I can see the brass. Clearly, there's still a projectile in there. Um, it was just his lack of training. Honestly, that's all it was. It was his lack of not knowing how to break down that weapon and double check and really make sure it's safe. And he thought it was safe. He had perfectly good intentions. Uh, I mean, for pizza, he's a professional never been arrested, never been charged in his life. I mean, complete accident. But again, you, when you own a firearm, you have to be prepared to take responsibility of every bullet that comes out of that gun. And that is a hundred percent on you to train. And there's a great, there's a great saying I learned a few months ago, and it's fantastic when it comes to firearms. And it said, you will never rise to the occasion you will always fall to the your habits of your training. Yeah. Right. Yep. And they use it as training for that. And, and that's what I tell people. If you train and train and train and train, you become subconscious competent. You'll know to double check and make sure that barrel's clear. But if you've only done it two or three times and you really haven't been trained on it, you haven't ingrained it in yourself. That's when accidents happen. Yeah. There's, it, it's just talking to you is, is we we need to do more and i'm saying this to all the listeners right yes we own firearms but we don't know half as much as we need to know not that we're running around being reckless right we we know right. the you know, safety basics but like i love what you said there's always another level and you really do fall to the level of your training or your habits so i think it's um it's really good so anything more you want to say on just raising kids with weapons in the house well, obviously have safes involved. In my house, I have multiple safes in multiple rooms. I have them downstairs, upstairs. You never know where you're going to be. You know, every night I take a gun out of my safe and I put it out and that's my gun every single night in case something happens. And my son always knew when he was younger, I wouldn't even let my son go down the hallway without announcing himself. And that started even when he was younger. If my son, once we got rid of the baby monitor, if my son wanted to leave his room, he would have to call out to me or my wife and say, Hey, 
I have to go to the bathroom. Hey, can I get a drink? Because God forbid, we all, you know, everybody talks about that nightmare scenario, John. I woke up in the middle of the night and it sounded like somebody was breaking in and I saw a shadow and I drew my gun and I pop up and I shot. And then now it's a loved one or it's somebody coming home in the middle of the night that was out drinking and you thought they were already home and now you kill someone you love. So that was part of my, my safety with my child is don't come out of your room or walk around the house without announcing that you're there because then now mommy and daddy know, okay, it's just our son or it's so-and-so. I think you have to put that plan in place when you get a firearm, where are your safes, who has the codes to them, make sure it's safe, make sure the children can never be around when the safes are open or when the gun is there and educate your children that this is not a toy. This is not for you to touch, look at anything. I must be there with you. And I think my son really responded to that where I didn't tell him, you better never touch it and hold it. It was, don't ever touch it unless I give it to you and I show you it's safe. See, and let me show you what I do. And then I gave it to my son and I let him hold my pistol. And I, I same thing, I wouldn't let him aim it at people. I wouldn't let him aim it at, the, I, I told him you have to keep it in a safe direction. So it comes to your training and it comes to repetition over and over. You ingrain safety and responsibility. Just like if you want to raise a good human being in today's world, you ingrain responsibility and you ingrain that, that over and over and that consistency in their head. And then the next thing you know, even though we all have kids and we all have teenagers and don't think they're listening, they're really listening. They just yeah. act like they didn't listen. Right. All right. So, and it, I didn't even think about having this conversation with you, but it, it, it had come up, right? So you're a, a defense attorney and you're a, a gun advocate, and then the Alec Baldwin case happens, right? Yeah. So I'd love to know, you know, your thoughts on it. And, and because he, you said something that just tripped it in my mind. He was the producer of the movie. He is yeah. responsible, right? Yep. Yep. Ultimately he's, he's at the top of the chain and now they've actually found emails. Well, they were telling the armorer that she's spending too much time on gun safety she needs to maintain other things. She has other parts of her job she should focus on. So there's going to be some interesting things at trial that come out if it goes to trial. And I was actually on Newsmax with John Bachman when it first happened. I've known John when he was at the local Channel 12 here uh, in West Palm Beach. He knows my, my history with guns and training. And he brought me on. And it was interesting. There's this big time defense attorney from New York. Then there's me from South Florida. And that attorney took the position of Alex never going to get charged. His lawyers are going to step in. But, and I was like, well, you know, that whole, you know, not so fast. Uh, I read New Mexico's law on involuntary manslaughter and some of the other homicide charges. And the way their involuntary manslaughter law read was perfectly designed for what happened with Alec Baldwin. And the fact that Alec then went out there on this PR campaign, which whoever told him to do this should be fired. I mean, he should sue them. It was the worst advice ever to go on national TV and give an interview and say, you are not responsible for any of it. And you never pulled the trigger. Are you kidding me? Those guns are single action army guns, John. They do not fire unless that trigger is pulled. So I was the one that originally said he needs to look out for this charge. And sure enough, as soon as it came down, I got a call from Newsmax. They're like, listen, can you be on in four hours? <laughs> Alec Baldwin is getting charged. I'm like, bring me on. Absolutely. And I, I took it as a victory lap because everybody thought I was crazy. And I was the only one saying that there's some serious charges he could face. What the, the thing that 
I keep asking is number one, what was live rounds doing on a movie set? Like what is the reason for a live round to be on a movie set? And let me answer that. And, and, and even with John Wick, even with every movie that's out there prior to this happening, they use real firearms. These are not prop firearms. They are just as heavy. They are complete legit weapons. What they do, and even during filming, actors will actually go practice and shoot scenes, um, not shoot scenes, but they'll shoot the firearms prior to the scenes, I apologize, with live ammo. So they can see the reaction, they can hear it, they can see if they're aiming in the right direction. So you will have live ammo on a production set of a movie where they're using it at an off location, that live ammo is never supposed to make it to the actual film set day. It's supposed to be all blanks. But everybody thinks, well, you're not even supposed to have real guns. Oh, no. Every gun you've ever seen in a movie, with the exception of maybe, you know, they don't have the budget for it, are real guns that fire real bullets. But you see in the movie, they're firing blanks because they still, and even those blanks, John, just so you know, they propel a serious amount of gas where if your hand is in front of it, you'll, you'll get injured. If you're close to that blast, you will be injured. And I guarantee you there's been times in movies where you've had stuntmen or actors severely injured, even with a blank being firing close to their face, their body, their hair, whatever it is. So there's still a propellant that comes out. Now, again, was there supposed to be live ammunition on set that day that they were filming? Of course not. The, the armorer in this case really has an uphill battle on her criminal charge. I think they're going to try to use mitigation for the emails that, you know, were somehow leaked. I'm sure her attorneys leaked them intentionally. Um, but you're right. No live ammo should ever be on the filming day set. It should only be at a secure location, like in a lock safe or a trailer vet armorer, only to be used when actually doing live fire offset non-filming. Well, I, I just learned something. I didn't even know that they were real guns. And, you know, I yeah. got, I, you can probably see it up here, right? Like I've got a, two replicas of lightsabers, right? I just know that when I yeah. turn the button, right? And nothing's coming out. It's, it's just, <laughs> but they feel like it, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, in the movies, that gun right there is a real gun. That, that would be used in a cowboy movie right there. Yeah. They'd use it. They would put blanks in there, but they would use that firearm. So a lot of a lot of movie producers and a lot of people in Hollywood said, hey, moving forward, we are not going to use any real gun on set. It will only be a prop gun. So some some film industry people have gone that way. But man, for decades and decades and decades, it's been real firearms being used by real actors. It's not CGI and all those events. Now, hitting things and hitting shooting people, those are clearly effects right. and, and right. using props. Um, but they're still using real life firearms that work, functioning firearms in the movie. Yeah. And if you're, you know, look, it, and I, I think you just really, um, I, I'm learning so much, Corey, just talking to you today, right? That if you're, if, if we're going to purchase, because this whole episode has been, right, our, our rights and owning firearms and if what you said if we own it it's our responsibility right and you just taught me that on yeah. movie sets they're real firearms so clearly if you're going to have them on set there's a responsibility there that every person is held accountable to and that includes the actor the actors are supposed to verify it those just like if i handed you an empty gun your responsibility is to verify it, that it's empty so when alec got that firearm his responsibility was look because the the bullets that they use for blanks 
they have primers in it, but they are not marked like they are with live ammo. They're completely different. Those those blanks are handmade. They're actually prepared and created for the movies. So it's not going to be like a set of federal nine millimeters, or it's not going to be a Winchester, you know, four ten bullet, you know, or or four five a long, four five long Colt that was probably in that gun. Um, it's going to be marked differently. So you'd be able to look at it if you're trained and responsible enough. And that goes in the Alec, Alec bit himself a little bit with karma because he's always been anti-gun and you shouldn't have a gun and guns are bad and we don't need guns. Well, he admits that he has no training with guns, no history with guns, no knowledge of guns, no education of guns, other than what they hand him on set. He may not even have the knowledge, John, to look in that revolver and be like, hey, wait a minute. That is a Winchester bullet that is marked that's what i've been firing over live ammo that's not the blank ammo i've been firing this whole movie so alec is going to be in a little bit of trouble because what's he going to do get on there and say he has all this education and knowledge and background experience and he checked the gun he didn't and he's admitted on tv time and time again that people shouldn't own guns they shouldn't use guns well he doesn't have any guns right he can't sit there and say john and Corey can't own a gun but he's got guns at his house right so you'd have to assume he doesn't own firearms. Something that just came to mind, we hear it all the time. And and like I shared, we can go on and on, right? And um, But we've got to kind of bring this home. But sure. I, I think the thing that I really got very present to, you started our time together with talking about freedom. And freedom does come with responsibility, right? Otherwise, you don't, you're, if you're not responsible with freedom, you can't handle it, and it's it's not freely given. You know, it's just kind of one of those. I want people to get that. You know, Corey. I mean, you and I. You know, we've known each other a while, and I know you know what I stand for, right? If we're going to be men, if we're going to be productive in society, if we're going to have like having a family is being responsible, right? Being a. I mean, you're you're in the. You've seen the criminal system. You know what it is to be responsible and not responsible, right? Um, and yeah. and all this 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 whole conversation is the difference between diligent and responsible to being lazy and negligent. And like you said, we've become so entitled that we're not even thinking about what we're thinking about. We don't even know that we don't know because we don't take the time to actually know in the first place. And we take it for granted, John. So many people think, well, I'm just anti-gun, so no one should have a gun. And they don't realize if you look at the countries and societies where the populace has been disarmed, look at the freedoms they no longer have. You talk to anybody in Australia and England, and you ask the common citizen man, if you had a chance and a, to get your gun rights back right now, every single one of them would say yes. Same thing in South Africa. I know a gentleman who was in the South African army. And even there, he ran a security company. And John, I, I believe you probably know who I'm referring to. Mm -hmm. um, Michael owned his own security company. And in South Africa, the common citizen, if somebody breaks into your house, you can't even shoot at them. They have to shoot at you first. Then you have to return one bullet and you can't shoot anymore unless they shoot at you again. And that is the most asinine thing I've ever heard. How am I as a man supposed to protect my family, my livelihood, my wife, my children, especially against multiple attackers? Am I only allowed to shoot at the guy that was shooting at me? What if he has three others that have a machete? 
do I have to wait for him to hit me with his machete before I shoot? Like it, these, these laws make no sense. And I don't care if people want to call me a chauvinist. A, I don't care. I could care less about people's opinions. The thing I hold is a core value. I am a man. My job in this world is to be a provider and a protector of my family. The minute I took a wife, the minute I gave vows to my wife and we had a child and we created a family, nobody had to tell me that it was my responsibility. I told myself that. And, it, and that's where we're losing it is, is we go back to being a man and a man is responsibility, it's respect and it's honor. You honor what you were put on this planet for, to be a provider and a protector. Because again, like you said earlier, you take away the men, real easy to control a society really fast. Because all you have is women and children. And in the history of the world, you show me a society that was built, that lasted centuries, where it was only the women and children were the providers and the protectors and went and fought wars. It still doesn't happen in today. Even today, men have to go into the selective service even though we don't have a draft women are exempt i thought we were here to have equal rights right whole other podcast but our role as a man is to be responsible respectful and honor not only our true selves but you better honor your family and honoring them is protecting and not being able to and now we're i mean again we we could we could go on and on right but not upholding that honor right so you and i think you and i uh, i think the thing the reason why i do this podcast and and the things that i do is because i think gen x was the last of this idea of what you're talking about before media and social media really started to program our society in a different way but again that is a whole other podcast yeah. right but i knew at 27 years old if the shit hits the fan i don't know what to do and it is my responsibility. Nobody had to tell me it was my responsibility to take care of my wife. I stood before God and her father and said, I will provide, protect, etc. Those things are indisputable as men. We are divinely created and innate. It's innate. It's wired into us. And I think the, the, when the poser says, you know, because the whole premise of Man Up is that men really do question whether or not they have what it takes and that's okay. That's normal. But yeah. take the steps like you're talking about. Seek out guides, the power of your posse surround you. I'm so grateful that you're in my posse, right? Like, yeah. because I value who you are, how you show up. You are everything that I talk about in, in the Man Up Already, just community and, and mindset. That we've got to take responsibility. We've got to take the steps necessary to do the things that we need to do. And Stop listening to the media and stop listening to opinion and step back into what is innately built inside of us and get educated. And, and it's just there's so much in this. It's not about right. Guns are cool. They're manly right. and all that other right. crap. That's just sensationalizing something. Right. I'll, I'll never forget. We, we um, have you ever seen Tulsa King? Do you watch that at all? I, I do not. Sylvester Stallone. It's uh, such an awesome. I have heard about. I have heard about yeah. it, but it's, I, I haven't watched it. It's so great. It really is well done. It's the guy who did Yellowstone, which I'm a big fan of that whole. But he does Tulsa King, and, and so he's with here. You got 75 year old, you know, character of Stallone, who's a mafia guy, and you got this young, you know, um, African American, you know, 20 year old kid 
and and so they're both holding a gun and the 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 young kid he's like doing this you know with, with the gun and, and Stallone's like it doesn't work like that like what are you doing you look like an idiot you know what I mean it doesn't the the physics don't add up right and the, it, it was just this big joke of what you see is not reality right not and even close real, it, it was such a funny scene like what are you doing it doesn't even work that way. <laughs> I can imagine. And, and it's actually out there. It's, it's people will go out there and, and believe what they see. And like, like you said, going back to what you just said a few moments ago, even, even our children now are being desensitized and programmed in school that the word toxic masculinity, how about just the word toxic in general? There is no such thing as toxic masculinity. There is toxicity. Mm-hmm. There are bad traits that somebody, but women can be violent we have women murderers we have women serial killers we have women rapists i mean so you can't say that a man's masculinity is toxic at all it doesn't exist our masculinity as is what built this world created this world and it's why we have what we have now if it wasn't for that masculinity we would still all be slaves we would still all be fighting battles and not owning any land we would still have kings and queens and tyrants who would be because a of that masculinity no, never, not even close. We would never have these rights. So, and that's worldwide. So I, I hate that. The one thing that, that the generation now has to understand, especially young men, and this goes out to anybody under the age of 30 that's listening. There's no such thing as toxic masculinity. Don't let anyone ever say that about you or even use that word. There are toxic traits that humans possess, male and female and non-binary nonsense, kitty cat, dog people, whatever. But then there's masculinity and true masculinity is that provider, that protector, the person that honors, cherishes and abides by what human nature holds. And and that's what that's that honor and respect, John. That That is is masculinity. That is true masculinity i love that it's so again right it's sensationalizing the absurd right and getting it to be you know normal when in reality the things that are actually real um and and again goes back to divine creation right it goes back to there there is a divine design uh to all of us um and those are the things that are getting pushed into the category of bad right Right, because right. God created man and woman. He right. created us who we are in the way we are, and, and this is who we are. You can't change that. We are wired differently because we have different chromosomes. It, we're supposed to be different. If we were the same, we wouldn't be able to procreate. We were completely created in God's eye to do exactly what we've done. And again, you know, without getting too political, you cannot control a society unless you can get rid of the strong males. How do you defeat a lion's pride, John? You take out the lion. And then what does that new lion do? He kills all of the cubs and takes over all of the women. And that's the easiest way to take over a society. And these young men have got to stop it. And it's their generation. It's not ours. It is not your and my fight anymore. It's your son's and my son's fight. And everybody who's listening, you raise a son, you teach them, to be masculine, to honor, respect, and obey, and that you you honor that responsibility to be a provider and a protector, and that's a man's job. Again, going back to divine creation, John. I love it. I love it. Corey, how um, 
how do people find you, access you? You know, I, I don't, you know, you bring such value on people to be able to just follow what you're doing and, um, and learn from you. Well, the only social media I am on is Instagram uh, and it's at Strolla Law. So it's my last name and then L-A-W Strolla Law. Uh, I, I try to stay away from social media. I like going on there and, and making liberals mad. And that's why I'm kicked off of Facebook. <laughs> but uh, that's a whole different <laughs> podcast. Um, I do have Twitter. Twitter Strolla Law as well. Uh, but they can contact me by calling my law office. And especially if you're in Florida and you want training, that's the easiest thing to do is call my law office and say, hey, this is what I'm interested in with Mr. Strolla. And I'll have a conversation. And the nice thing what I do, which kind of separates not only am I a firearms trainer with experience, but I'm also an attorney that handles firearms laws and criminal cases. But the fact that I can custom tailor my programs to every single student, like I would never train you the same way I would train that 73 year old lady who's never handled a firearm. So I don't have cookie cutter. Everyone's like, Oh, well, how come you don't have a website with your training? Cause I don't do cookie cutter training. Every training I give is 100% custom designed for the student whether I have one student or five students, it is literally customized for every single class I do. Awesome. Okay. Well, it has been an honor and a privilege and a pleasure, my friend, Ditto, to, have you, to have you on here. Um, I want to talk to you about some other things for sure, but um, you're, I love what you're doing. I love what you stand for. You're such a good dude. You represent everything here that we talk about. So thank you um, for your friendship and thanks for being such a great guest. I'm honored. 